it's real long story time with Bryson and Mommy. And today we're going to read the book called Moonshot. Moonshot. The Flight of Apollo 11. The Flight of Apollo 11. By Brian Flocka. By Brian Flocka. So let's get started. So let's get started. High above there is the moon, cold and quiet, no air, no life, but glowing in the sky. Here below there are men and women plotting new paths and drawing new plans. They are sewing suits, assembling ships, and writing codes for computers. Nuts and bolts, needles and thread, and numbers, numbers, numbers. Thousands of people for millions of parts. And now here below there are three men who close themselves in those new suits, who are ready to ride in those new ships. They click lock hands in heavy gloves and click lock heads in large round helmets. It's summer here in Florida, hot and near the sea, but now these men are dressed for colder, stranger places. They walk with stiff and awkward steps in suits not made for earth. They have studied and practiced and trained and said goodbye to family and friends. If all goes well, they will be gone for one week. Gone where no one has been. The moon. Yeah. Wow, look at that big rocket. Whoa, that's a giant rocket. So let's see. Their two small spaceships are Columbia and Eagle. Eagle. They are locked to the top of the rocket that will lift them into space. A monster of a machine. It stands 30 stories. It weighs 6 million pounds. A tower full of fuel and fire and valves and pipes and engines. Too big to believe, but built to fly. The mighty massive Saturn V. The astronauts squeeze into Columbia's sideways seats, lying on their backs, facing towards the sky. Neil Armstrong on the left, Michael Collins on the right, and Buzz Aldrin in the middle. Click, and they fasten straps. Clunk, and the hatch is sealed. What's the hatch? The door. The door. And there's another hatch right there. You're right, so a double. <clears throat> there they wait. T-minus two hours with the Saturn humming beneath them. Mm. Machine control. Near the rocket in launch control and far away in Houston in mission control, there are numbers, screens, and charts. Ways of watching and checking every system and part of Apollo 11. The fuel, the valves, the pipes, the engines, the beats of the astronauts' hearts. 
The hours turn to minutes, and now the countdown quickens. Everyone watching is asked the question, go, no go. And everyone watching answers back, go, go, go. Apollo 11 is go for launch. Ten, nine, eight, seven. Ignition six. sequence started. Flames push hard against the pad. Every second pushing harder. Six, five, four. But still the rocket does not rise. Mighty arms hold it steady. Hold it till the countdowns finish. Three, two, one, zero. Lift off. Lift off! Lift off! <laughs> the rocket ah. is released. It rises foot by foot. It rises pound by pound. See all that fire pushing against mm. the pack? A lot of fire. That's why you can't even be near it. You have to be like a mile away if you want to watch it. A mile? Mm-hmm. A long far. Remember, we've seen the launch pad from, if you go to Kennedy Space Center, you have to be on the other side of the water. So you're over here. Here's the launching, and you're all the way over there having, having to watch. Where? Over there. Well, you can't see it because it doesn't show you in the picture that we're looking at. But we've seen it when we were there. We'll, show, we'll point it out to you again the next time we go. It climbs the summer sky, it rides a flapping, crackling flame, and shakes the air and shakes the earth and makes a mighty roar! Oh no. Armstrong, Collins, Aldrin ride the fire and thunder pressed in their seats, their bodies as heavy as clay. The rocket below them sheds parts as it soars. Bolts explode, engines ignite, first stage, second stage, escape tower, gone. The rocket flies lighter, the rocket flies faster. In 12 minutes time, it's 100 miles high. Then, after an orbit around the Earth to talk with mission control to check the course, and the rocket and ships, the rocket's last stage fires again, pushing the astronauts on. And when the Earth has rolled beneath and rolled behind and let the astronauts go, the Saturn's last stage opens wide and releases Columbia, the small silver ship that sat at the top of the rocket. And here, hidden till now, is Eagle 2, a stranger ship, more bug than bird, a black and gold and folded spider. Michael Collins, Columbia's pilot, turns her back around, points her towards the Eagle. and locks the ships together. Then Armstrong, Collins, Aldrin leave the last of the Saturn and travel on in their two small ships joined together and flown as one. They go rushing into darkness, flying towards the moon, far away, cold and quiet, no air, no life, but glowing in the sky. On board Columbia and Eagle, Armstrong, Collins, Aldrin, unclick gloves, unclick helmets, unclick the straps that hold them down, and float inside their small ships, their home for a week. 
Here, there is no up or down. An astronaut can spin in air and turn a floor into a wall or a ceiling to a floor. On those ceilings, walls, and floors, there are straps and screens and gauges, buttons, handles, hoses, and switches, switches, switches. There are food and clothes packed into corners and flight plans, flashlights, pens, and cameras. And they float, too. They drift from hands and pockets. That's why there's Velcro everywhere. For holding things so they stay put. There's Velcro on that flashlight and that pen. Oh, very good noticing it. There's a flashlight floating around, and there's a pen floating around, and you can see the Velcro on it. Yeah. Very good. There's lots of things floating around in their cabin there. Here, where everything floats, it takes some skill to eat a meal. That ham salad sandwich, watch the crumbs. Soup, it comes in a bag, dry as dust. We just had soup for dinner. Yeah. Can you imagine eating dry dust soup? Ew. <laughs> Fix the bag to the water gun, fill it, mix it, stir it up. Cream of chicken, not too bad. Better than the peanut cubes. Here, where everything floats, it takes some skill to go to sleep. There are no beds or pillows, no night or day. There is always, though, the hmm of circuits, the whirr of machines, the thought of where you are, and the thought of where you're going. And one more thing here, where everything floats, everything, it takes some skill to use the toilet. It takes pipes and hoses and bags, and there's no fresh air outside the window. After a week, this small home will not smell so good. This is why, this is not why anyone wants to become an astronaut. But still ahead there is the moon, cold and quiet, no air, no life, but glowing in the sky, glowing and growing. It takes them in and it pulls them close. It's not growing. Well, it's growing bigger because as they get closer, it's getting bigger to them because they're getting closer to it. Yeah. At the moon, Collins stays in Columbia, high above a single circling soul. Armstrong and Aldrin leave an eagle and take it low and lower. They have just enough time and just enough fuel. They have a plan and a place to land, a chosen safe site among the craters. Did you have a question? Okay, we just had to stop and get some water. Now we're back. So now, friends and strangers, in the distance down below, stay up late, get up early, and stop as one to watch and wait. There are only maps and models to see. There is no camera that can show the landing map far away. But what strange sounds there are to hear. Whistles, beeps, static, weird new words and quick clipped news of altitudes and speeds leaping across the dark between mission control and the men who are taking the eagle to land on the moon who are going no one going where no one has been
On board Eagle, Aldrin calls out information while Armstrong steers the ship. They fly lower and lower, looking, looking for their landing site. But now Eagle, they see, has flown too far. They are miles from where they mean to be, and below their small and spindly ship, they see no level place, only broken stone and rock, only shadows in deep craters on the great and growing moon. And inside Eagle, alarms light up, warnings that come in numbers and codes. Not even the astronauts know, but go, go, says Mission Control. Eagle, Houston, you're go for landing. Far from home and far from help, still steady, steady the astronauts fly, as time and fuel are running out. Then there, clean and flat, not too far, 60 seconds left, Armstrong fires the rockets. Eagle slows and lower goes until a spray of dust, a bloom of moon flowers up around her, slow and slower, low and lower, low and lower landing. And far away, where friends and strangers lean to listen, where friends and strangers lean to hear, they, there comes a distant voice, Armstrong calling from the moon, calm as a man who had just parked the car. Houston, he says, tranquility base here, the eagle has landed. Armstrong is calm, but on Earth they cheer. Hooray! Hooray! Yay, it's landing. Then Armstrong and Aldrin climb down from the eagle in heavy gloves, in large round helmets, in suits not made for Earth. Made for Made for the moon. In suits made for the moon. Here below, all around them, cold and quiet, no air but life. There is life on the strange and silent, magnificent moon. Armstrong and Aldrin walk its rough, wide places. They step, they hop. As light as boys, they lope, they leap. In the dust and stone beneath their feet, no seed has ever grown. No root has ever reached. Still, secrets wait there, the story of the moon. Where did it come from? How old is it? What is it made of? Not green cheese. In the sky above their heads, the sun is strong and shining. This is daytime here on the moon. It doesn't look like a day back home. Without any air to scatter the light and make sky turn blue, the view from here is straight into space, and the sky is a bottomless black. Bottomless black without even stars to see, for the light is so bright, shining down from the sun, bouncing up off the moon, that the stars are outshone and all of them stay hidden. Excuse me. But in that black and starless sky... High above there is the earth, rushing oceans, racing clouds, swaying fields and forests, family, friends, and strangers, everyone you've ever known, everyone you might, the good and lonely earth glowing in the sky. Glowing in the sky. Now it's midnight in Houston at Mission Control, and that's how it feels to astronauts, too. And what time is it here on the moon? And that's a harder question. Armstrong and Aldrin climb back into the eagle. It's time to sleep, or at least to try. 
but it's cold here in the Eagle and it's crowded and loud. And now Eagle's air is full of dust, full of the dust of the moon. It was carried in on suits and boots. And now it gets in the astronauts noses. It smells like damp ashes, like a fire put out. The astronaut keep their helmets on to keep from breathing in dust. Armstrong climbs up on the engine and Aldrin curls up on the floor. The Eagle was not built for comfort. It is not a good night's sleep. It is barely even rest. Still, the hours go by and then rested or not, it's time to go. Eagle's landing stage becomes a launch pad and three, two, one, Armstrong and Aldrin fly to the top of the Eagle up, up, up from the moon, their second liftoff of the trip. High above the moon, Columbia is waiting. Columbia and Eagle, two small ships, an eagle smaller than she was before. They dance, they spin closer and closer until Collins can dock and lock them together. Two small ships flown as one again. Then hatches open and hello, three astronauts together again, two successful and happy. Armstrong, Collins, Aldrin. They leave the last of the eagle behind them and fly together from the moon, which rolls beneath, which rolls behind, letting them loose, letting them go. They carry pictures, stones, and stories, and a view of home seen from far away. They fly together two and a half more days in space. High above the earth again, they skim the top of the sky. They slip from emptiness into air. They are flying, more like falling, diving down to the world below. Flying, falling, fast. Falling, fast. But now, 400 miles every minute. Falling, fast. But now, pushing on air and using the air and the shape of their ship to slow down. Pushing on air, cutting down speed, building up pressure and building up heat. Hot and then hotter until flame, until fire. Now protected by shields, pressed again in their seats. The astronauts ride as a glow grows around them. They cross the sky like a torch, trailing a blazing tail. What's a torch? Torches uh, like a fire. So like like a torch is you've got um, you've got fire. Yep, just like that picture that you can see. I see a lot of fire. There. A lot of fire. And there's heat shields to keep the astronauts safe. You're right, which is good that they yeah. have those heat shields. What if they don't? Well, what would happen if they didn't have a heat shield? They would die. They would die. They would burn up upon reentry, right? Yeah. Then drogue shoots, pilot shoots, main shoots open. The parachutes catch the air. The parachutes catch the sky. They slow Columbia's fall. Now slower, now safely, now swinging, now drifting. Low and lower in the last small piece of Apollo 11. Now, Armstrong, gosh. Collins, and Aldrin return. Back to family, back to friends, to warmth, to light, to trees, and blue water. Back from the moon, they land with a splash. A splash. What's all those words? 
Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, I got you, got you. <laughs> to warmth, to light, to home at, at last. last. The end. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. What are all those say? Well, the very back of the book has a whole write-up about the, um, about the landing and how this is a true Ugh. story, which is like a poem. What's a poem? A poem is kind of like what we just read. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Bye.